Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. My guest this hour is Jarek Robbins. He is an expert in the subject of wealth. He was formerly ran Success Magazine, and we'll be speaking a lot about wealth and how to create it for yourself. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Jarek. Hey, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Just give us a brief history of how you got to where you are today. Oof. Um, long story short, my first public seminar was in my mom's belly. She was teaching people how to break through their fears by breaking bricks with their bare hands. Fast forward, uh, my first official job, I was talking about this on Facebook the other day, which is kind of funny, which I was hired at 14 for security at Blockbuster Video. <laughs> Uh, fast forward from there, got into our family's nonprofit. Fast forward from there, became a, a coach when I was 18. That, that was an interesting predicament because I was still in my undergrad studies, but I remember a, a college professor from Cornell hired me to be his coach on time management. And I thought, what in the world could I share with someone like this? He's a professor. I'm a student. How does that work? And, and what was interesting is I, I really had mastered the concept of time management. So I was able to show him a few simple techniques that streamlined his entire process. And he was incredibly grateful for it. And he introduced me to more clients. My, my practice grew on the side while well, I finished my degree in psychology. Fast forward, took a trip around the world. Uh, I grew up in sunny San Diego. So it was beautiful and, and abundant. And after visiting you know, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Vietnam, all these different places, Thailand, I, I found out how the rest of the world really lives. And it just opened me up. I decided to go live in a village in Uganda or teach organic farming for a while, got malaria twice, was told I had six days left to live at one point. Fast forward, fast forward. Um, you know, worked in sales for a few years, door to door, office to office presentations, and then eventually decided to start my own coaching practice. And I've spent the last 15 years now, or 14, 15 years, um, working with individuals who are, are focused on scaling their businesses and having abundant relationships. And my main focus with them is as they're so focused on growing their business, my job is to make sure they don't have a heart attack, divorce, and bankruptcy in the process. Very good. Okay, so let's get right into it. So your whole subject is is wealth and how to create wealth and avoid being poor, basically. What and we're gonna... um, A piece of it. So we talk about the core four. So there's four things people generally, the three that they mess up, which is the heart attack, divorce, and bankruptcy. But the thing they're ultimately looking for once they get their health relationship and career in alignment, they're looking for wealth, which is that time freedom, financial freedom, and purpose. Yeah. So we're going to get into detail about it. But in general, why do some people become wealthy and other people do not become wealthy? Is it basically between their ears? It's something that their attitude the way they think, what, what is the difference between being successful and not psychologically? Um, well, success and wealth, two different things. So I've met a lot of people who are financially rich, but they don't have a rich life, meaning they have a lot of money, but they you know, have dealt with their third heart attack and their fourth divorce, and they're on a special meal plan, told if they ever deviate, they're going to die. And I was like, they're rich financially, but they don't have a rich life. They, they have a very con contained life. They're kind of imprisoned in certain routines and rhythms they must maintain. Otherwise, they die per their doctor. And, and so it's this concept that they don't have that freedom. They don't have that abundance that they were truly seeking when they went into the journey, when they started chasing the, the concept of success. But what landed up happening was they got so focused on one piece of their life that the rest of it started to fall apart. And people do this all the time. Even if you narrow down to the concept of just money itself, there's people who in the beginning start out with great intentions and then they start to pick up momentum. The, you know, greed kicks in a little. They start doing things. They start stretching the blurring the lines and stretching the truths. And then all of a sudden life kind of just wallops them upside the head. And that lesson is the thing that they were missing. It's the guardrail just saying, hey, you're going a little too far on this. And so I look at that same concept and say, how does that apply to their relationships? How does that apply to their health? Um, you know, a lot of us, I've had a client who was building an airline over in Europe. He was competing against British Airways. He was going and going and going. He was raising more money and opening up more routes. And he had these legal battles and all these fundraising and investors and all this stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, at one point, I remember he called me and he says, oof, I really messed up. 
I said, what happened? And he goes, I missed a really important date with my wife. I went, "Uh uh-oh, what what are you going to do? Are you flying home immediately? You own an airlines. You can book a flight. (laughs) And he laughed. He goes, no, no, no. I just have one more week on the road, and then I'm going to go home and fix it. And I called him out. I said, you know as well as I do, that is a horrible idea. Horrible idea. And and he said, no, no, no. That's the plan. I'm going to do it. Trust me. I'm going to get home, and it's going to work out. And, and by the time he got home, he showed up, he sat down at the table, and she was sitting there with a pile of divorce papers. <laughs> Too late. Yeah, he knew it was coming. He knew it. He knew he messed up, and he hit the guardrail, and life gave him a huge warning signal and said, hey, uh-uh, go fix it, go make it right. And instead of fixing it or making it right, he just decided to keep forging on for just one more week, and bam. I mean, I don't know how much money he raised in that week, but I guarantee it was less than the amount he lost when he lost half in the divorce. Yeah. And so this concept of he was so focused on one piece, he let, he neglected some of the other core four elements. You talk a lot about time management, and people often say it's a choice between time or money. Um, hmm. Time is often said to be our most valuable asset. How do you align your time management with wealth creation so you can have the right balance. So wealth to me is three things. Wealth is time freedom, financial freedom, and purpose. Because I've met people who have a lot of free time and no money, and I don't think they really crack the code in life. I've let me, met people who have a lot of money and no free time, <laughs> and I don't think they crack the code. They're a prisoner to their own empire they've built. And then I've met people with money and time who lack purpose. That's the worst because that's like getting everything you dreamed of. You have the time freedom. You have the financial freedom. You can literally do whatever you want, and you just don't know what to do. You feel empty inside. Like that's hollow. And so I've learned when you see people with all three, people who have the time freedom, they have that leverage where they've freed up their time. They've maximized the ability to live life how they want. They have the financial means, the financial freedom to be able to do the things they want to do. And they have something that consumes them, something that's purpose-filled, something that that drives them and draws them to life every day and gives them a reason to wake up and go for it. Those people are really wealthy in my eyes. And so how do you do that? Well, um, there's some pieces you have to figure out. I, I think, you know, with, with the time freedom, we have to figure out how to get leverage. And a lot of leverage has to do either with technology nowadays. We can use AI you know, if you're writing a blog, you can use ChatGPT to edit it for you and make sure it's cleaned up very quickly so you can speed up certain activities. Um, you can use team members, other people's times. So you can get people to come in and, and cook with you or clean with you or, or build something with you. And all of a sudden it creates that leverage to multiply your efforts um, online. You can create courses. You can create different things that give you that leverageable continuity type program you can create that starts to allow you to multiply yourself without having to physically pick up uh, you know, the oar and row the boat yourself. And I always give people an example. Um, I'll ask them, you know, in your business or your career, what kind of boat do you have? Are you, is it you in a rowboat? Uh, is it one of those dragon boat races where it's you and 10 guys you know, rowing as hard as you can in the same direction? Have you finally put an engine on it? Do you have some type of machine that makes it go where it's not all human effort every day where you turn on the engine and it putters along? Or do you have one of those, you know, 47-foot fountain racing boats with eight twin-something superpower engines on the back and your job is kind of to steer and let the engine, let the team, the, the processes, the systems really drive everything forward? And, and so depending on where you're at, our goal is to help you eventually build that machine where your job is to be a leader and, and, and steer and have the vision, and you have an engine or a team or a group that's able to then drive the results forward with you. And so we got to help people elevate the, the machine they've built in their life, get out of a rowboat, elevate into that other level so it, it gives you that more time freedom. Let's talk about the purpose a little bit because a lot of people kind of live day to day and don't really have a sense of purpose and can't think about it. How do you come up with a purpose, something that is your passion, if something's not like occurring to you right away? 
Totally. So there's two approaches on this. Either you're one of those people who's kind of born lucky where you wake up and you just feel called to something. You got your, as in Japanese, they say ikagai, which is, you know, you're good at it. The world needs it. People are willing to pay for it and you love to do it. Like it's that magic Venn diagram sweet spot that you just nailed. For most people, that's not the case. I talk to a lot of people all over the world. We have active clients in over 127 countries. So, so talking to all ways of life from kids in India, just getting their, you know, going to school to uh, professionals in Singapore and New York and London, all those places. And not everyone has that luck where they just wake up and they're born with a purpose. And, and so for most people, um, either you can create something that's purpose filled. Like I was living in a village in Uganda and there was this little old man that woke up every morning. He slept in the broom closet and he just swept the leaves off a path out front of a, a little clinic. It's like a mini hospital. And I remember I went and interviewed him and had someone translate. He didn't speak English and I didn't speak Lugandan, which was a local language, but I had someone translate. Why do you do what you do? And, and he shrugged and said something back and she looked at me and said, he said, cause I'm supposed to. I was like, no, 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 like, why do you do what you do? And, and, and she's like, oh, hold on, hold on. So she asked him something else, and all of a sudden he got the biggest smile on his face I've ever seen. And he said the most beautiful thing. Um, when she translated it, it came out to, the reason I sweep the leaves is because I believe every human being, whether it's a small person about to enter this world or a sick or elderly person about to leave this world, I believe they deserve a clear path to do so. Very good. And I remember staring at this guy. He's in his 60s. He lives in a broom closet. He, he apparently sweeps leaves every morning at, at sunrise. Like, nothing unique or special from the outside. Just a guy doing a good day's work kind of stuff. Simple life. But this guy had purpose. Yeah. Real purpose. And yeah. I remember, you know, working with a gentleman who worked at Goldman Sachs trying to figure out what his purpose was, and he just couldn't find it. And I'm like, you're making millions of dollars. You've achieved almost every level of the ladder here. You've gotten the giant bonuses. You got published in, in on the awards. You get given trophies, and you don't have a purpose, but you got a lot of money yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of fun stuff in your life, but nothing really calls to you, and we got to dig in and find. So some people – find it other people there's a lady at yale who did something called job crafting which is really simple activity i mean basically you write down all the things you do every day answer the phone you know draft emails connect with our clients host a show like you just write down all the activities and then she said as simple as it sounds draw a line down the page and on the other side of each line rewrite each activity as if it was your mission and purpose in life to do this and it had some type of deep and meaningful piece to it just rewrite it as if so instead of answer the phone connect with human beings in a powerful and passionate way yeah. and i was like huh just by rewriting it as if it was purpose-filled and then rereading the new list of activities absolutely transforms people's experience with what they do each day Terrific. We'll be back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jarek Robbins. Uh, he, as you can see, is an expert on the whole concept of wealth and how to become wealthy in a, a broad way. You can find out more at his website, jarekrobbins.com, spelled J-A-I-R-E-K, robbins.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jarek Robbins. He's an expert on the subject of wealth, writ large, and you can find out more about what he does at his website, jarekrobbins.com. Welcome back to the show, Jarek. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's talk about the mindset, the money mindset that needs to be transformed uh, to kind of get the beliefs out that are harming you and bring in beliefs that are going to help you succeed. This is a big one. This is, I think, is one of the foundations of the concept of wealth and money specifically. So when we're looking just at that concept, um, with the wrong set of beliefs, I've had friends, clients, associates, people I've met, uh, one of them inherited five million bucks and turned it into zero over the next five years. Another of them built a business from scratch, sold it for $39 million, and whittled that down to $9 million over four years. Um, I- I've watched people do this over and over and over again. And the foundational piece, if you look at the sabotaging point, the thing that caused it to melt down, it's one, overconfidence. Um, they, they smoke a little too much of their own tailpipe and believe in themselves so much because they're the ones who obviously figured it out. That's one point that causes them to fall apart. Uh, But then the other piece usually is their belief system. And when you dig in and ask the question, what do I really, really believe about money? How much is enough money for me? How much is too much is a question a lot of people forget to ask. How much is not enough? Where does money come from? When I got to this question, my wife and I did that. Well, I'll give you a side story. I did the research and found out that money was one of the number one topics in relationships that causes a ton of friction, a ton of fighting, often divorce. Like it's it's such a, a spicy topic in relationships. So I made sure when my wife and I 10 years ago got together, the first conversation, not the first one, maybe the 10th or 20th conversation we had is we spent a whole day writing down our beliefs about money, our values about money, where it comes from, how much is a lot, how much is a little. And one of my favorite things that happened was we wrote down the question, where does money come from? Mm -hmm. And I wrote down, it grows on trees. (laughs) Yes. It's paper. It literally grows on trees and then it's, you know, printed and made into money the way we see it and currency, all this stuff. And she just started laughing hysterically. And I said, where do you think money comes from? And she wrote down hard work. Wow. And so, you know, she grew up very humbly in Michigan with a hardworking dad. I grew up in Southern California with a hardworking dad and and family. And, um, you know, it was just totally different beliefs. We were at my grandma's house one time and we walked by the, the wall of photos of all the grandkids. And there was a picture of me reaching out for something like Olin Mills, like the funny haircut back in the day and little chair reaching out for something with this huge smile on my face. And she goes, what is he reaching for? And my mom said, oh, we were, tra- we were handing him a $5 bill to getting him to smile. <laughs> and my wife looked at me and said, are you nuts? Why were you giving him money to get him to smile? And we're like, oh, he wouldn't smile without it back then. And I think I was like five. And so it was this silly thing. And apparently my, mo- my family struggled with money when I was really little. And my mom always wanted me to be abundant. So she kept doing things as a kid to have money all around me so it felt abundant, even though at the time we didn't have a whole lot. Hmm. So, how, so how can you overcome, if you've had a poor 
childhood and a, a parents that are not in abundance, I guess you might say, how, how can you overcome something like that? So many people seem stuck in where they totally. So this is exactly what we did. My wife, my wife's name is Amanda. Amanda and I sat down, my wife and I, we, we wrote down all the beliefs we had. And then we, we started asking, when did I come up with that theory? When did I come up with that belief? And we started hearing the stories from each other. My mom used to always say that. That's what my uncle said. That's what my dad taught me. That's what my cousin always did. Oh, I read that in a book one time. Like we just started kind of pulling apart all these thoughts and beliefs we had about money. And then we asked the question, you know, how many of these thoughts, if we add that up every day, if that's the only thought we said to ourselves every day repetitively for the next 10 years, what do we think the end result of that thought would be just repeating itself over and over and over again in our mind? Just, let's, let's just pretend we added it up for 10 years. We said it every day to ourselves, nonstop, just that one thought, where does it lead us? Do we think it leads us to the goals we have? And yep. it was so clear which thoughts helped us, which thoughts neutralized us, and which thoughts like cut the legs out from under us. Mm -hmm. And then we sat down and we said, okay, if that's the goal we really want to achieve, if that's where we want to be financially, if it's that much investment and that much passive income and we wanted to get in the multifamily and private equity and we want to grow businesses and buy those and, and scale them and sell them. And I mean, we, we had all these huge goals. We're like, we better be really thoughtful on which beliefs we carry with us every day and which ones we allow ourselves to repetitively tell ourselves and with each other. Because we're going to be with each other every day of this journey. We better support and reinforce each other. Otherwise, we're going to one person takes a step forward and the other one knocks them down, which is really hard. And so we aligned in that very first year together. And I'll tell you, it was one of the smartest things we ever did in our relationship. We've never once had an argument, even a rough conversation or tension around the concept of money. Never. And so it's, it's been, we, we said it right in the beginning. It's possible to overcome years of conditioning, uh, relationships, but even just in you know the way you kind of go about your job and your life. It's yeah. possible through, I guess, what you'd call positive thinking uh, or reorienting to overcome all those negative uh, impulses you've had for many years. Is that right? Well, well watch this. In, instead of calling it positive thinking, let, let's move over to Brene Brown. Amazing researcher. She re researches emotion. What, what she found in her research was most people only have four or five words to describe how they feel, first off. So happy, sad, pissed off, and angry. Like they only have five words. <laughs> and she said the first thing we need to do in her TV show is expand the vocabulary we have around words that describe how we feel so that we can accurately label how we're really feeling. And what they found was the word that you use to describe the feeling creates the feeling you have. Mm -hmm. So if you use the word a little bit frustrated, you'll feel frustrated. If you use the word angry beyond measure, you're going to feel angry like nothing else. And so this concept of the words we're using create the reality we're experiencing. And this has been said over and over again, all throughout personal development, all the way back in Think and Grow Rich. Like it, this one's been a long time. One of my favorite things about working at Success Magazine was the archives. Um, it, I mean, it's a 120-year-old magazine that has written articles from the very beginning of the personal development, human enlightenment movement. And so going back and reading uh, – you know, some of these original pieces, they were saying way back then, the words you use create the reality you live in their own way. And, and 120 years ago. And so it's the same concept alive today. And, and the words we use, the words we use about wealth, the words we use about money, the words we use about this concept create the reality we have. I've met people who have millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that don't feel rich, don't feel wealthy. They don't even feel financially wealthy. And I'll give you a, a scary story. There was a gentleman who sold a company and he, he, he made, I think, 20, 30 million bucks. And in the beginning, he felt rich, like he felt abundant. He felt like he had a lot. And then month over month, year over year, he just watched this lump sum kind of start to dwindle down, like bought a house, took a trip, just little by little, inched away, inched away, inched away. And at one point, he had this 
anxiety in his chest, this feeling inside of like, it's not enough to live the life I want to live. And he said, you know what? This is so weird. I'm going to go interview other people who've had an exit from their firm or their company who've made millions of dollars, and I'm going to see how if they feel this way. And he went and interviewed 100 plus of these people who've all exited a business, made 5 million, 10 million, 150 million, 200 million, all different sizes. And what he found out was no matter how much they made, no matter how much they made, if they didn't have some type of consistent income coming in and it was only going out slowly, it didn't matter how much it was, they all felt like it was not enough to live the life they wanted to live. All of them. Dude made $500 million and felt like he didn't have enough to live the life he wanted to live as, when it was going down. But as soon as they had some type of residual income, something where it was rhythmically coming in every month, they felt like they could do anything. Yeah. And I went, whoa, that's important to know. Indeed. All right, we're going to get to that after the break. Uh, we're going to talk about building your money machine. Uh, my guest this hour is Jarek Robbins. Uh, he is an expert on the whole subject of wealth. As you can see, you can find out more about him at his website, jarekrobbins.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jared Robbins, an expert on the subject of wealth, both creating it and enjoying it. Uh, you can find out more at his website, jarekrobbins.com. Welcome back to the show, Jared. Hey, it's good to be here. So we ended the last segment with uh, no matter how much money you have, what makes it's important is to have a source of passive income coming through. So this is what you call building the money machine. So everybody has a different kind of machine, but what is the process of creating a money machine that works for everybody's individual situation? Perfect. Great question. So this one's fun. Because most of us, let's start with the belief, most of us don't even know we can choose our money machine, period. Most humans, including me, when I first got started, do this thing of, I need to make some money. Who's willing to pay me? <laughs> That's the question. Not, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What do I love? How risky do I want it to be? How much fun do I want it to be? How hard do I want the process to be? Uh, how often do I want to get paid? Like, we don't ask any of these questions. And so one of my friends said, imagine you had one of those DJ boards with all those switches and buttons that kind of go up and down. 
And he said, imagine on each one of those scales, we put a very specific question. And, and we can think about this on we're going to dial in. We're going to tune in our money machine. So the first question I'd ask you is how much money do you want your machine to make every week, every month, every year? Now, most people never even think of that concept. And what they've accidentally done is tuned their money machine, their way of making money, to the lowest possible amount it'll make without realizing it without even thinking about it. They just took what was available versus saying, you know what? I want a money machine that makes a minimum of X thousands or X millions or X whatever you want per year. And it's like, okay, I'm going to tune the amount that it makes to a certain amount I want. Okay, good. There's the amount. Next up, how risky do you want it to be? There are certain career paths where you can earn that amount of money and you might get eaten by a 250-pound tuna that you're trying to pull out of the ocean during the middle of a storm. Like, that's kind of risky. Um, you can find a, a job that makes the same amount of money, but you're sitting at a desk in Chicago. Just as risky in a different way. It's kind of, you know, it gets boring or, or, or not as enlightening to the soul to sit in a desk at a cubicle all day. And, and so you got to think, how much risk do I want involved in my job? Next up. How much fun do you want? How much fun? How much do you want to actually enjoy it? I have family and friends who, who you know, they worked extremely hard. They're up at three in the morning, driving to the job site, laying tile, doing heavy, you know, heavy labor every day. But they loved it. They loved the process of working with the crew. They loved the hands-on element. They loved standing back and looking at their work and being so proud of what they built in a restaurant or a home. Like they loved that process. Other people would hate it. And so figuring out how much fun do you want to have with this money machine? And you keep going down the list. So how risky it is, how much fun it is, how much it earns, and you dial in the perfect kind of uh, tuning of each of these questions and then you step back and say, okay, if that's what I'm aiming for, that's how much fun, that's how much laughter, that's how much money, that's how much freedom, that's how much risk, what's available in the world that fits that mold? And all of a sudden, you handpick a money machine that lights your soul on fire, that you enjoy, that you have fun. You can reverse this and call it a job or starting a business or you know being part of an organization if you want, but it's picking a machine that actually lights your soul on fire that's fine-tuned to the exact way you want it to be so that you get the richness of life you want. And so that very first piece is have you thought and been very, very, very careful on how you fine-tune this money machine to make sure you're doing one that you actually want to be doing every day. So what would be an example? So say somebody goes through that whole process and they've done everything you just said. Uh, they're very clear now how much fun everything you just said how do they pick a money machine? Because everybody's going to have a different money machine that's going to work for them, that's going to meet those criteria. Exactly. And so, you know, the, the old adage used to be, I wanted to build a personal network of tech startups so that I could trade some, some business coaching for stock in these startups. And so back in the day before COVID, if you wanted to be around a certain opportunity, you had to go to the opportunity. So my wife and I packed up, we moved to Sausalito, and we got really lucky with a friend of ours who lived up there. And every day she had a friend over at the house who was a different startup founder and was introducing us to people of different types of companies that you know, we would get along with and they'd get along with us based on her judgment of who we were and they were. And so she had a lunch every single day for a week straight where we met all these founders and then over the next month and a half while we lived there, they introduced us to their friends and their teams and their communities. And it was the most wonderful experience. And we did a bunch of deals with all these startup founders. Uh, we had dinner with the, the co-founder of Google. We had all these people. It was amazing. So much fun. But the way to make the magic happen was to go where the opportunity is. Go where those people are. Go where that money machine is. Mm. Nowadays, something's changed. You can still access it globally because the world changed. I mean, COVID sent everyone working from home and most people haven't quite fully returned to the city or the office. And so nowadays it's figuring out how do you digitally put yourself in the right place? How do you join the right communities? How do you get into the right conversations where 
you're being circulated. And as people come back into the physical environment and out of just digital stuff, the question is, can you be in those right rooms? Can you figure out where are the people that, that I most want to be connected to that I can, number one, add value to? And how do I show up and really add value? Um, I'll tell you a quick story of a friend of mine. He wanted to connect with this guy, Jim Cramer. He has the, the TV show. Yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. My friend James was living in New York City, and he really wanted to connect with Jim. And, and his thought was, well, if I just write Jim an email and say, hey, do you want to go grab coffee? Uh, the likelihood of him saying, sure, is very slim. <laughs> he's like, he's on TV, he's a big guy, he's busy, he's not going to answer my email. So he sat down and he asked this question of, okay, what value could I add to this guy's life? And P.S., this story ends with my friend making $10 million from Jim. So let me just tell you how he got there, though. So he said, how could I add value to this guy's life? So he sat down and he read every single blog post that that Jim ever wrote on his or his team or him wrote on his blog. He read every single one. And he sat down and he said, you know what? Here's 10 topics I wish Jim would cover on his blog. And he wrote them out. And he said, that's not enough, though. He said, I wonder, you know, if he was going to cover that topic, like what's the real key information he should include or, or, or touch on? So he went and researched all the key bullet points that would go with every one of these topics. And he said, that's not enough. He said, you know what? What's the SEO optimized title that each of these blogs should be titled to get the best optimization of the SEO, uh, you know, feedback and, and the best ranking for this blog and his site, get the most traffic? So he did that. And he said, what else would I include? And he came up with all the fine details. And so he wrote him an email and said, Jim, I'm a huge fan. I've read every blog on your site. I listen to your show consistently. I sat down and thought, as an avid viewer and listener, here's the 10 blogs I wish you would write. Here's the SEO optimized title, the main content to include, all the bullet points and all the excerpts and the, and the links, the link to all the other topics we're including. Anyways, I hope this is useful and valuable. If you ever want to connect, I'd love to connect. James sent the email. Ten minutes later, he got a reply back from Jim's team and said, one, Jim would like to meet with you quickly. Two, would you be willing to write these for our blog? Mm-hmm. So he was offering value, not just asking for something. Real value. Yeah. And he said, one, I'd love to meet with Jim. Two, I'd be happy to write these for your blog. So they said, come on down, meet the team. So they invited him into their office. He met the team. He sat down with Jim. He said, thank you. These are great. We're really excited to see the content you create. He said, awesome. They signed a deal. And he was, you know, writing some blogs. Now, while he was there, every day he kind of wandered around and just asked questions and looked. And he kept asking the question, what are 10 things that would make this place better? What are 10 things that would make this show, this company, this organization better? And every day he wrote down 10 ideas of something that would genuinely make this place better. And he did it for 30 days. He came up with 300 ideas. And then he just picked one. And the one idea he had was a software he noticed was missing. And instead of just telling them, hey, you know, I have this software idea for you guys. Instead of saying that, he hired a guy to start building the software got a demo made, got the actual test, you know, um, beta version ready, and then came and presented it to Jim and his team. They loved it and bought it from him for 10 million bucks. I see. Yes. So he took a risk, but he was creating value. He added real value, and he did it in this formula I'm kind of sharing, which is James' formula. But he sat down, and every day he said, this is the person I want to connect with. What are 10 ways I could add genuine, real value to their life? And every day he wrote down 10 more ideas until he had 300 ideas for you know 30 days, 10 days apiece, or 10 ideas a day. And then after he had the 300 ideas, he picked one and executed brilliantly with it and then kind of just put it out there and see what would happen. So part of your success is, is multiplying your money, what you call the money multiplication tactic. Money multipliers. Yes. So you can make a bunch of money, but as I alluded in the beginning, if you don't know where to put it, there's a real good chance you're going to make it disappear. Uh, One of my business mentors who's bought and sold businesses for 40 years, he was teaching me how to do what he does. 
Um, he recently sold a portfolio of companies for a hundred million bucks. And he said, the moment you sell this, you're going to have a bunch of helpers show up to tell you what to do with your money. Many of which have never made this amount of money in their life. And I started laughing. <laughs> and, and so the hard part, if you're going to multiply the money, you have to figure out a few principles and, and, you know, I'm not a money advisor, uh, so I, I can't do it from that angle. So get a fiduciary or get an advisor. Um, but there's a principle, a couple of principles. My dad wrote about these in his book, one of them about money. And, and a few of the principles are, number one, asymmetrical risk first reward. Can you find a way to massively limit the possible downside yet still have a reasonable or sizable upside? So can you figure out asymmetrical risk first reward Two diversification, diversification across assets, within assets, across time and across currency. Um, I have clients and friends whose family due to war has had to migrate from one side of the world to the other. And, you know, they left on different terms. I have one friend uh, where when his family was in their country, they were one of the wealthiest families in the entire country. And when they left, he makes this statement. I mean, there were multi-billionaires way back in the day. And when and he says this statement, he goes, when my family was persecuted and we left, all we had left was $10 million to start over. And I tease him. I said, there's not a human on earth who's going to shed a tear over your right. all I had left was $10 million story. Exactly. <laughs> not, but, I mean, to go from a billion or $10 billion to $10 million, it's a big chunk. But... Boohoo, it's still 10 million bucks. At the same time, I have family, you know, and friends who've left and, and their family had nothing. They went from whatever they had to zero, zip, nothing, five bucks in their pocket when they arrived kind of deal. And they rebuilt. And one of them, you know, they're, they're in Los Angeles and they've rebuilt this massive multifamily portfolio and they have tens of millions of dollars of real estate and solid passive income. And I always tell them, you have to diversify. And he, he harps on me. He's like, no, every person who's ever made a significant amount of money did it with laser focus on one thing and they didn't diversify. That's how they got rich. And then he said, how you stay rich is diversification. Yes. I said, but he, I, said I, I like the concept, but here's the crazy part. If something traumatic happens in LA, your wealth goes from 50 million to zero overnight. If all you owned was a Timmy Hortons in, in Toronto, at least you'd have something to fall on if you had to move again. Got to be diversified, absolutely. Just right, something. We're, we're going to take another break here. This is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jarek Robbins, teaching all about wealth. Uh, you can find out more at his website, jarekrobbins.com, and we'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jarek Robbins, an expert on the whole topic of wealth. You can find out more at his website, jarekrobbins.com. Welcome back to the show, Jarek. Good to be here. We talked about money multiplication one of the things that is important in the long term is to leave a legacy. I mean, people talk about the here and now, but why is it important to leave a legacy? Because we're not all going to be here forever. Well, here's what's interesting. It, 
people's opinion of legacy changes at different stages of their life. I remember my dad just hit 60 and I asked him about legacy and, and it was so funny because his immediate response was every man wants to leave a legacy. Clearly. I mean, they want to leave their mark on earth. They want to do good. They want to be remembered. They want to do something important and valuable. And then I talked to my business mentor who's in his you know mid seventies and I asked him, I said, you know, Keith, what do you think about legacy? And he laughed and he said, probably for the last maybe 10 years of my life, I was you know obsessed with what's my legacy going to be. And he said, at this moment in my life, my legacy is how I treated people. My mm -hmm. legacy is, you know, the work I've already done. I'm not going to be able to change my legacy. My legacy is the, the mark I made while I was here. And so the only thing I know is I'm going to keep living life in a way that will be remembered, hopefully, in a good light. And I went, man, 10 years does make a difference in a guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> On the financial basis. Totally. You want a legacy for your kids so that they can re realize their purpose as well? Is that part of it? Well, this is interesting. This is really interesting. I know my dad grew up with nothing, nothing. Like my, my grandma lived in a trailer when he was little and, and they didn't have enough money for Thanksgiving. Fast forward when he was 18, living in the back of his car, saving up money to help others on Thanksgiving because someone helped him and he wanted to give back. And and he fast forward, he he's done really well, really, really well. And one of the things he's learned over the years is don't give someone so much that it takes away their drive to go do something for themselves. I remember him and I, when I was 14, watched this documentary made by Jamie John. I think it was made by Jamie Johnson. It was called Born Rich. And it was this kid who inherited a billion dollars on his 21st birthday from the Johnson and Johnson family and him interviewing all his friends who were all heirs of multi-billion dollar fortunes um, and interviewing them. You know, what do you think about money? And all of them said, oh, we don't talk about money. And, and he asked his dad, you know, dad, what do you think I should do with my life? And I remember he's he's in the library and he has this giant book open of stamps he's collecting or maps or something. And he goes, huh, son, with your life, maybe you should have a, a great stamp collection or maybe a map collection like me. And I remember the kid looks in the camera and goes, that's what you want me to do with my life? Just collect stamps and maps? There's nothing else? Come on. And he's like, well, you know, do good in the world, donate some money. And, and it seemed so weak. It didn't, it didn't seem passionate or strong or didn't, it lacked purpose. It lacked something meaningful underneath it, at least in my perception. And so this concept of, of legacy is how do you make sure that there's something there, but how do you create enough space for them to have hunger and drive of their own to go do something in the world that's meaningful, that they're proud of? And so I, I was reading this book about generational wealth. It's in most generational wealth lasts three to five generations before it completely evaporates. Doesn't matter how much the lump is, the lump sum is. And the number one thing the book was teaching about with generational wealth and legacy wealth is education. Can you teach the mindset, the skill set, the habits, and the behaviors that create wealth and grow wealth over time? Can you teach that? Because if you don't, someone at some point is going to try to pull it out and do something dumb with it. And so can you teach that? How do you set up some type of system in your family where you can teach it from generation to generation? I know with my dad, he never sat me down at any point and made me learn about money, but he has these conferences where he teaches about this stuff, and I've attended a few times and, and enough to learn the fundamentals. And then I got obsessed with, okay, if I want financial freedom and time freedom and purpose, well, I got to figure out this financial freedom piece. Um, so, you know, we have a family office and an advisor we sit with and every major financial decision, he's basically our fiduciary type of advisor where we go sit with him and run it past them if we're buying a house or investing in, uh, you know, apartments or, or getting into private equity, anything we're doing, buying a business, anything we do, we'll go sit with him and just talk it through and he'll help us get another perspective. And so with legacy wealth, we always say, build your board. Build your advisors, build the people who are going to give you another perspective on every decision you make. And their job is not to be an echo chamber or a yes person where they just yes and sign off on everything. But their job is to challenge you. Their mm -hmm. job is to give you a different perspective. Their job is to ask, is now really the right time to do that? 
that their job is to find a way to you know get the asymmetrical risk first reward where they get you more upside but limit the downside in some way and if you have really smart people and people who don't agree with each other is important ray dalio did this uh, i don't know if you know his story oh yeah but yeah. but, but ray you know ray, transparency is this thing right yeah but but health health was a big thing i don't remember if it was him or his son but he was trying to solve something and he went to one doctor and they said, you have to do it. And he went to another doctor and they said, don't you dare do that. And he's like, how are two doctors who are equally smart telling me the exact opposite stuff passionately? Like both of them are telling me with total certainty, here is what to do or not to do. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring them together. And he said, something special happens when you put two or three or four people who are quote unquote experts on the same topic with a similar degree, with a similar education, when you put peer-to-peers in the same room and they have to politely or non-politely negotiate who's right and why, their tone changes. Instead of saying, you must do this, they go, well, from my professional opinion, you may consider doing X. And he's like, well, that's not what you said in your office. <laughs> you told me to do X or die. Yes. And, and, and you know, you put them together and their tone changes. The way they present it changes because their peers are now examining their thoughts. They're now questioning their, their theory and approach. And so in the best possible solution, if you bring together a board, a handful of people you trust with differing opinions who are just as educated, just as smart on the topic, who are willing to kind of debate it and, and poke holes in it purposefully in a, in a great way, it gives you the best opportunity to make sure you're making really smart investment decisions long-term. The other piece is you have to train people, your, your family, you have to train them on the right kind of money beliefs or money habits to make sure they have the foundation. You have to educate them on the process. You have to teach them some of the habits and skill sets to make sure that it, it'll last. Yeah. Uh, that's something when I sat down and looked at our portfolio, it was one of those things that I looked at and I was like, wow, in our lifetime, I looked at my wife, I'm like, we're going to do really good. But our son, if he keeps doing the same pattern, and if he teaches his, if he has a kid and he teaches them, holy Moses, this will be amazing. This will be massive, massive by the time it gets two or three or four generations down the road. If all they have to do is stick with the formula. In, in, in about two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize the difference it will make in people's lives? to follow the advice you've given last hour versus the way most people live? Well, it's the difference between having wealth in your life, which is time freedom, financial freedom, and purpose, or not. And and that's what we found. We've, we put groups of people together. I've been doing this for 14, 15 years now, helping people navigate these topics. We've gotten phenomenal results. I've watched people absolutely screw this up, have the heart attack, have the divorce, have the bankruptcy, lose half their stuff. Um, and I've watched them just put the right habits and the right routines in place. And I've watched their lives flourish. And, and my deep-rooted belief is little things consistently done right over time lead to mega results. Indeed. Yeah, it'll make a huge difference. Well, thanks so much. Our guest this hour has been Jarek Rabin. He's been very inspirational for the possibilities for achieving true wealth. Uh, you can find out more about him at his website, jerickrobbins.com. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show, Jarek. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 